Welcome to The Overthrow, a segment where we discuss everything we didn't have time for in the main episode. This week, it's the ICC Women's World Cup Final. Joining me on the show, I've got Pavesh, Shivank, and Ali. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Gentlemen. Australia underlined their dominance with a 71-run win over England in the final. Shivank, what did you think? Deserved winners? Deserved winners by a mile. Um, There was no better team in Australia throughout the tournament. There was no better player than Alyssa Healy, especially in those clutch moments that is the semi-final and the final. Like, I think somebody made a comment during the game. Uh, Alyssa Healy was nowhere near the top of the leaderboard for batting runs up until the semi-final and then she just blitz everyone with 300 runs across the last <laughs> two games. Yeah. Yeah. You just yeah. <laughs> like you you can't be a normal athlete and you know just rock up to this the two most important games of a tournament and then just smash the other teams for 300 odd runs together. But in saying that, I was a tiny bit disappointed by um the English bowling lineup especially between the 30th over and the 45th over. They had one tactic for both uh, Megla, oh, sorry, Beth Mooney and Alyssa Healy. They stuck to it and did not change it, even though they were being smashed all over the park. That for me was a bit disappointing. But yeah, other than that, it's been a very good tournament. And having it in our backyard, well, almost in our backyard, at least for me and Ali in New Zealand, kind of made it more prominent and more accessible. So yeah, um, I had fun watching it. It was a hugely entertaining tournament, but I must say, as a longtime follower of cricket, it awakened some PTSD in me. Watching Australia win so easily <laughs> and and the rest of the field competing so hard for the privilege of getting hammered by Australia. It I, I don't know, guys. <laughs> has it has it brought back some repressed memories? <laughs> something something two thousand and three. <laughs> two thousand and three, two thousand and seven, twenty fifteen. And you name it. <laughs> and just to see the team list with Healy in there as well um, definitely brings back those <laughs> memories, right? Oh, yeah. Look, by the way, I must apologize to any viewers out there that my only touch point here has been the Men's Cricket World Cup tournament. It actually says more about my own ignorance of the women's game and its history than, than anything else. Uh, but hey, like I said, if you follow cricket and you know the Aussie dominance for the uh, past however many years, it's, oh boy, it's not a good sign. <laughs> For anyone else, yeah, they just they, they they've been phenomenal, right? Um, and Alyssa Healy is the first player to score hundreds in a semi final and a final in any um, any World Cup or any cricket World Cup, which is which is huge, right? Which is huge. She, that's a that's a huge clutch player. Like that's that's a person that wins you tournaments, right? And she batted today with a bad back, and she also like, took a stumping. Right, yeah. she took a catch and a stumping as well. So she kept exactly. for the whole game after scoring all those runs. So um, she probably yeah. deserves, yeah, deserves a good lie down. I think. Special special mention to Nat Skyver from the English team, hundred and forty eight not out. In reality, I had one eye on that final after Aussie put up the three fifty. But you knew at that point that it was over. But a special mention to her because she showed a lot of fighting spirit. Yeah. yeah, especially when no one else around her showed any kind of fighting spirit. 
and actually a part of me a part of me did wonder that if if England had batted the 50 overs and if there was maybe another couple of partnerships that showed a little bit more persistence could have been a little bit closer yeah yeah could have been could have been but i will still say that i think the english lost the game in their bowling there were too many gaps in the field they had one tactic they they persisted with it when there was no reason to and that was the difference between restricting australia for 275 versus letting them go to 350 odd the thing as well is that when you score 356 there's always going to be scoreboard pressure on the opposition so England had to play a certain way to get to 285 and that involved taking risks and that's what got them pulled out. But when you've got that score on the board, you're always in the game. Uh, you know, we, we discussed this in the past during the India-South Africa game, you know, which will go down as a bit of a classic. But <laughs> some of us pointed out that 270-odd is not a scoreboard pressure kind of score because then the batting team's always in it. 356 for five, no matter how well the batting team is doing, the side defending just needs to take one wicket or two wickets to completely kill the momentum of the opposition. So that's the advantage, you know, when you bat bat first, bat big. The pitch was a road. It was really easy to, I mean, it was relatively easy to bat on. Uh, but at the end of the day, 356 is 356. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I completely agree, Pavesh. It's, you mentioned uh, PTSD and it's just <laughs> it's just the Aussie way, isn't it? Uh, in, in, a, in a big semi or a big final... They're going to win the toss. They're going to put 330-plus on, and then they'll just look to put that scoreboard pressure on by taking early wickets. It was it was the template clutch Aussie victory. Yep, and I'm as bereft of hope after this final as I am after most World Cup finals. <laughs> <laughs> How do you beat this team? How do you beat them? Actually, actually, before, before we get into how we beat this Aussie team, I, I think overall, final aside, for me personally, it's it's been a wonderful tournament. Um, I, I know the WhatsApp chats uh, that, that yeah, we've had yeah, have been a buzz with, that is the game of the tournament. And we've been saying that the semifinal and the final aside, right? We've been saying that week after week after week. In fact, in the last uh, in the last recording of the back pass, we had to delay by fifty two minutes because that South Africa India game was on, and we just said, "Guys, let's not pretend like we're doing anything else except watching this game." It has been a magnificent tournament. Can I just commend you guys for being able to discuss that? Because I was curled up in the fetal <laughs> position, which is why I couldn't actually make that recording. <laughs> I was rocking back and forth, <laughs> crying my eyes out at the unfairness of the whole thing. Oh, <laughs> oh I thought you might have been watching Harry Maguire defending Pavish. Look, I've had enough punishment for the day. I've been through enough in my life. Oh, God. <laughs> That's what Rafael Varane said after 90 minutes of quiet. But I seriously, thought, I thought you said I was going to play with Jerry Maguire. Jerry! <laughs> But seriously, guys, game after game, this has been an outstanding advert for yeah. international women's cricket. Yeah, definitely. More off this, it's please. Been awesome. It's oh, been yeah. awesome. 100%. It's been awesome to watch. It's been, it's been great for the sport. And you can clearly tell mm. where the Australian and England dominance comes from, right? Where it stems from. And obviously, the BBLW is just going to be, you know, just going to be getting bigger this year again, um, only because Australia is still world champions and 
you know, um, little boys and little girls, just they're, they're heroes, right? Like they're looking up at this Australian women's team and they're heroes to them. And so I, I wouldn't say just the little girls. I would say little boys too. Um, and they would want to do some of the stuff that these, um, these women are doing on the field. What's incredible in the women's game uh, is that there are actually so many more true all-rounders in the mm. women's game. You know, and if if uh, if batters mm. are your pop stars and fast bowlers are your rock stars, well, all-rounders are superheroes. <laughs> They're always in the game, always involved, you know, and, and that's the ideal person to look up to. When we were growing up, the superheroes were the likes of Chris Cairns and Sean Pollock mm. and in Zimbabwe's Neil Johnson, you know, and a generation before that was the big four of couple day, Richard Hadley, Imran Khan, and some English dude. So it, it's, <laughs> um, having having a, a large pool of all-rounders is actually a really great uh, marketing uh, opportunity for the women's game. You know, someone like Elise Perry, for instance, mm. where she can do everything. Uh, these multi-talented sportsmen. So again, like, like you said, Ali, it's someone for not just little girls to look up to, but little boys as well. Yeah, definitely. Ali, Ali, what what have been some of the highlights of the tournament for you? Uh, some of the highlights, like I think we've spoken about it before, and it's been the technique around around the different aspects of it. Um, it's been it's been batting technique, it's been catching technique, it's been keeping technique. It's it's the final finer parts of the game that it's nice to see that technique is is a core part of the women's game because I think sometimes in the men's game, it's actually forgotten about only because sometimes it is just about power mm. and it's just a power game. Yeah, totally agree. Um, as you're talking about technique, sorry, Gurpreet, I'll just hijack this conversation <laughs> because I cannot resist this anymore. <laughs> um, talking about technique, find me a better keeper anywhere in the world than Amy Jones. She has a technique I could write a book on one day. How to be a good keep? How to be the best keeper out there? I I, t- I tell you what, Chavank. I, I promise you, this episode of the Overthrow, the caption image is going to be Amy Jones, just to make you <laughs> stop talking about her, because you have not stopped my friend. I mean, I genuinely thought I wouldn't find the next Sarah Taylor. I have. <laughs> Kids, if you want to learn how to be a good wicketkeeper, she's the benchmark. Just look at how her hands move, how her head moves, how she shuffles across, how she's in the power position, her crouch when she doesn't crouch. Textbook stuff. Actually, better than textbook stuff. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely So brilliant. Amy should write her own book or are you ghostwriting one for her? I mean... <laughs> If I have the opportunity, I'll write a book. <laughs> but I hope she writes it herself because I can't do her justice. Don't let your dreams be dreams, Shabang. Just start writing the book now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, look, for me, I think I probably mentioned it already with the all-rounders. That was, that was um, something that stood out for me. But also the number of close finishes we had. You know, mm-hmm. this format mm-hmm. where everybody plays everybody has long been considered to be the gold standard in world cups i've always disagreed i think they got lucky mm. in 92 because 2019 in the in the men's events was actually quite boring in the group stages because there were so many dead rubbers but because we had close finishes because we had upsets this format really worked because a lot of games went down to the wire there was always something to play for and really in the last few rounds any one of about four teams could have finished in those final semi-final spots 
So yeah, um, that yeah. that really helped. I think Australia, of course, and South Africa in the group stages were a level beyond everybody else, but the rest of the pack was so closely matched that you didn't honestly know who was going to win that game. You know, no one's walking in with with the swagger that Australia had. Uh, because they couldn't guarantee that they were actually going to win. And so that made it a really interesting tournament and uh, led to, I think, some of those classic moments that we're going to remember forever. Yeah, exactly. And Pakistan and Bangladesh pulled out some a couple of great performances as well out of the bag. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. That, that, to me, that to me is the personally the real highlight of this tournament, Pavesh. The number of times where... I literally stopped whatever else I was doing because we had a match that had a cliffhanger finish and it was a cliffhanger finish with heaps riding on it because it wasn't a dead rubber group game. It was, as you say, a genuine chance of making the playoffs. I, I think the entertainment value, and, and look, some of these games were low scoring, right? Um, we look at the New Zealand-Australia game. It was low scoring, but it was there was one wicket in it. Edge of the seat stuff. I think what we've seen here and some of the skills that we've seen, especially as we look ahead, I think it bodes really well for the women's game. I just want to say as well that I think it would be doing a disservice to the women's game and not to approach this with the same way we would any other sport. And we've got to look at areas where the game can be improved. You know, there were certainly a lot of dead moments in the in the middle overs. Part of it, I think, comes down to batting techniques. Big difference with the women's game has been that teams don't generally bat deep. I think Australia were probably the only team that Mm. could bat to eight or nine, Mm. uh, which meant that a collapse was never too far away. So some of the reasons why we had these close finishes were actually um, reasons that you wouldn't actually want in the highest level. A lot of of bottom-handed shots. So, you know, you've got a, a medium pace of bowling at about 100 Ks an hour there or thereabouts, and you really do have to generate a lot more power with your bat swing to clear the ropes. But even in the middle overs, a lot of those bottom-handed hooks mm-hmm. trying to trying to get trying to get distance on the ball, but not really getting it too far because the technique wasn't quite there. But you had batters like you know, say Alyssa Healy, Smriti Mandana, and the likes, which just beautiful timers of the ball. You know, even Matali Raj, and it was beautiful to watch. That technique was great, but there's too few of them in the game right now, and I would like to see a women's IPL. Uh, you know, increase that pool of talent so that we get better techniques out there. And I think we're going to see more entertaining middle overs as a result of that as well. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so, I mean, it's just a mild criticism that I would have is that the games did tend to lag a little bit during that period because nothing much of consequence was really happening unless you know, it was usually the first 15 overs and the last 10 overs that were exciting. But that's more of a criticism of the ODI 50 over format, isn't it, Babishta? It's like 2020s really, really turn it up. <laughs> to, to a large extent, you're right. To a large extent, you're right, it is. But I think there's levels to, to how much a game, game lags within the middle overs. To me, I just felt that perhaps with slightly, uh, slightly improved opportunities, we would have had deeper batting lineups and therefore mm-hmm. more run scoring opportunities during that during those middle overs. You know what complements deeper uh, the lack of deep batting lineups really well, which I'm a bit disappointed in not having not being able to see, was how defensive the fielding setup was usually in games. When you when you know the opposition doesn't actually have a be, deep 
batting lineup and they're five down or six down, just pack the field, play a bit aggressive. Why do you give them easy singles? Um, that was a criticism we had in the South Africa-India game. That's the criticism I personally had in this game of England as well. And if I scroll through our chats, I think we've said this about 10 times maybe in the last five days about how many gaps there were in the field, how easily the strike was being rotated, and how much time the new batsmen had to batters had to settle in and basically keep the scoreboard ticking. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt, exactly. And, and none of this takes away from the fantastic skill that was on display. Mm. And not, not at all. You know, this no. is again a, a means of just looking at okay, where can this game go? Where, like, it's got so many, it's got so many more levels to reach right now, and I want to see that happen. You know, I want to see this game. You know, I want to see the women's game take prominence. You know, that I want to see the numbers triple and uh, the viewership numbers triple mm. in the next. Yep. World Cup, for instance, and the way to do that is to fix some of these issues. And you know, money's got to be thrown at at the women's game. It's a high time because they they've worked hard and they deserve it. Bavish, I'd just like to throw something right back at you. Yeah, uh, you, you mentioned the women's IPL. And then Ali Ali mentioned that some of the issues that we saw in some of these ODI matches, they to a certain extent either do exist or existed in the men's game as well. Personally, I think the big changing point was the IPL. I think the men's game went through a stage where those middle overs did become boring until the IPL came along and bowling sides realized that if we restrict the opposition to be 140 for, say, four after 35 overs, we're going to go for 130, 140 in the last 15 overs because of the skill sets the IPL introduced. I I do wonder if the point you made around the, the women's IPL is the way to, A, get rid of some of these issues that we have in terms of entertainment value in the middle overs, and B, close the gap on Australia. Thoughts? Well, yeah, I agree, because, you know, T20 gets a reputation for being slap-happy cricket, and it is. But I take issue with anyone who (laughs) says that T20 is just slogging. It does look like it, but it's actually got very inventive shots. Yes, you see the odd bottom-handed stroke, but how often do you see someone just stroking a beautiful lofted cover drive for six these days? Techniques have actually improved in leaps and bounds in the in the men's game because of T20, because now you're forced to find creative ways of getting over the field rather than just you know hoiking it over to, to cow corner. So once you've unlocked that aspect of your game, then suddenly the middle overs and the ODIs don't seem so daunting anymore. Right, and you're not constantly going for the hoik across the line. I, I do think it's a coaching issue, and I just think that's because there isn't enough uh, money in the women's game to provide that coaching for long, you know, year round. And I think adding to that as well, Bavesh, um, with the defensive fields and also that um, the middle over lull, I think might also come down to actually just what we've discussed before, which is. Um, that a bit of that fear factor with the ball with the bit of pace in the ball as well because then that would that would probably prompt captains to be a bit more aggressive knowing that the ball can actually dominate the bat a bit more they you would see a bit more aggressive films feel, feel settings you would see a bit of change in that atmosphere rather than be like oh well, we can't scare the batsmen so we're just gonna like let them you know kind of not basically catch them out if they play a false shot 
I completely agree, Ali. I think, um, and again, uh, I, I loathe the comparison to the men's game, but this is this is definitely something we saw five or six years back, where the skill sets in the men's game changed, as as Pavesh described. The, the men's game, especially in those middle overs, became a you you couldn't defend any particular area. You had players like Ab De Villiers playing shots. 360 degrees and and i think one of the things we saw was was pace come back into the game we saw bowlers like Lockie ferguson as an example being used as a first change bowler because of his extra pace he was a wicket-taking option that you could use in the middle overs i i, I do wonder if if again the the point that pavish made around a women's ipl leading to better shots leading to better middle overs and consequently leading to better bowling lines and better bowling skills. Um, actually, there's another thing that T20 might just teach the fo- the other formats of the game is how do you respond quickly to um, changing situations? Because 20 overs is very little time to adapt to the batsman or the batters finding weakness in your bowling mm. array and dismantling yep. you. You have around two overs to change. Completely um, agree. Completely agree. And that's something that's benefited the longer formats of the game quite well. And, you know, we, we discussed T20s as some sort of hypothesis for the women's game. <laughs> look, who's got, who's got the biggest women's T20 league in the world right now? Australia. Australia. Who's got the second biggest? England. Who England. contested the final? Australia and England. Who are the world champions today? Australia. Who are the world, defending world champions? England. It's not hard, guys. <laughs> yeah. You can keep on building this list backwards and you'll see that the only champions have been England, Australia, England, Australia. And you know that <laughs> things need a little bit of change when England are actually winning tournaments. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like but the good but here's the good news. Here's the good news. This always happens, all right? England invent a sport or you know, and they 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 promote a sport and at that point they are by default the world champions, but then they generally have the common decency to step back and start sucking at them. So we are at the beginning <laughs> of a golden age, I think, for the sport. <laughs> as a result. The time is now. <laughs> the time is now. You've the got to strike while now, the iron's hot. Yeah. Yeah, I think the IPL will also just get more cricket, more women's cricket on TV. So it'll just get more coverage. It'll get more press. It'll get, we'll be more familiar with it, right? Like, I, I think that's part of the other thing is um, we don't get to watch much women's cricket outside of the World Cup, um, outside the BBL, um, BBLW. There isn't much women's cricket really televised or publicized. There's a very tiny amount of women's cricket that's free to air in, on New Zealand televisions, but they, then again, uh, the viewership is too low. And yeah, that's yeah, something exactly. that needs to be worked on as well for the sport to grow leaps and bounds in New Zealand. There's another opportunity that really excites me for the women's game, which is that it's not actually bound by all the stuffiness and tradition uh, of the men's game necessarily with regards to the test playing nations are, or rather it shouldn't be. I think that the women's game should expand even further, have bigger World Cups, bring in more teams from non-traditional cricket-playing nations to really grow the game and and to stand on its own two feet. Uh, the you know right now, if you look at if you look at the game today, India has a population of over a billion people. The total cricket-playing population on Earth probably doesn't even reach two billion. You know, it's it, it, if you look at the, you know, probably seventy percent of all supporters of, of cricket. Are Indian by population, if you were to you know assume proportionality mm. there, right? Mm. Yeah. So yeah. that's not healthy for any sport. 
for many, many reasons. And I think women's cricket has the opportunity to kind of move past that, that, that Indo-centric or even Aussie-centric view and expand the game into areas where it hasn't reached yet. Yep. Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't disagree, Bhavesh, but American sports disagree with you. They're only <laughs> played in America and they crowned themselves <laughs> world champions year after year. <laughs> No, but uh, I think I think that's a good point that you make there, Bavish, because, um, you know, there's also, say, there's situations where, like, the um, Thailand women's cricket team, it was, it was, it went professional before the men's did, right? So exactly. there's a professional women's cricket team in Thailand, there isn't a men's one, right? The men's national aren't professional yet. So and that's an opportunity that it would be great to see um, Thailand compete in World Cups, compete for major honors or compete in other tournaments and seeing um, Thai women playing in the BBLW, in the IPL, in, um, in, in England as well, in the, you know, in the T20. So that would, that's, that's also another, another potential expansion point for the women. I mean, you treat it like a startup, right? The advantage of being small is actually that you can try new things and sometimes they can pay off big. So this is the opportunity that women's cricket has uh, to go into other areas. Like you mentioned, the Thai women. In fact, they were very unfortunate, I think, not to have made, uh, was it this World Cup or the T20 World Cup uh, due to just some nuances of the qualification process. Um and yeah, absolutely. I mean, how great would it have been to see the game expanding into Southeast Asia, where you know historically it's been played by expats, but to see a group of you know indigenous um, people pick up the game, make it their own—that's what we yep. want to see. That's what we want the game to be. You know, uh, unlike in the in the movie '83, where I think uh, the character of Rashrikan <laughs> said East Africa didn't exist as a country; it was just a bunch of gujus who wanted to play cricket, and they showed up at a World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do I do agree, guys. And and in wrapping in wrapping this discussion up, I've really found it fascinating. I think I think there is a huge opportunity off the back of what's been an immensely entertaining and immensely competitive tournament to really make strides in growing the women's game. That's all we have time for. Thank you so much for joining in. Please like and subscribe. The Overthrow and the main Backpass episodes are now also available on Amazon Music. We will leave it there. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you later. <laughs>